What's up, Thrashers? Welcome to another episode of the Talk Louder podcast, where we geek out on all things rock and roll. Hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel. Leave us your likes and comments. You can also leave likes and comments on Facebook. Follow us on iTunes and Spotify. Also, Instagram at talklouder underscore podcast. And of course, our website, talklouderpodcast.com. I'm Metal Dave, along with my co-host, Jason McMaster. And today's guest is guitarist Blake Ibanez, who most of you will know from his time in the Texas thrash metal hardcore crossover band Power Trip. Wow, what a band. Um, sadly, a short-lived band, but we talked to Blake today about uh, the, the many accomplishments they, they, they achieved in such a short time. Uh, what a powerful band. Great album called Nightmare Logic was their swan song in 2017 uh all the best elements of thrash crossover hardcore just a real breath of fresh air uh, it reminds me i told blake in the episode to me it's the most impactful record since kill Em all to my ears I've, i haven't been this excited over an I, album i think that, that anyone that has kill Em all who also has exodus bonded by blood and possess seven churches yeah. nightmare logic should be in between sandwiched in between those two records in your collection and if it's not you need to look it up right now you need to listen to it i am a late bloomer i will admit to the uh discography of power trip but um it's easy to fall in love with what it is they have going because of the bands and records that I, I just mentioned. Yeah. Um, the sound of the record, where they're going, they're, they're creating something that <clears throat> they're wearing it on their sleeve. Obviously they're creating something that they, that mirrors some things that they've fell, fallen in love with as far as thrash metal goes and, early crossover stuff like you, you you're mentioning here and yeah. it's great to hear it in his words and and the yeah. things that they're into as a band um you know you already said this the short-lived career um which i want to think positive and stay positive that it's not over yet you know yeah. they're, they're young guys they're a young band but the things that they've gotten to do the accolades the the rubbing of elbows, the bills and festivals that they've gotten to share. I mean, they've played with their idols. Yeah. They've gotten great reviews and, and love from their idols, whether Absolutely. they be the originators of what it is that they do, um, or even, you know, the newer ilk that uh, they're, they're competitors. That's, I hate that word, but you know what I mean? They're contenders. They're, yes. They're contenders. Thank you. Yes. And I think that, um, you know, with the unfortunate, uh, you know, lo losing Riley, their lead singer, um, in the middle of uh, what could have been, the, uh, they were peaking. They were starting yes. to get to this place. Yeah. And um, it's like a Bon Scott. It's yeah. the same thing as a Bon Scott, but it's not over. But I think COVID might have been related to part of the grieving process and uh, yeah. we get to talk about that a little bit with him. i really like the guy a lot we've never we've apparently we've been done shows together but yeah. i i um i've never met him and it was really great to uh hang with him on the podcast today and just get a little bit of insight of where he's coming from and 
he's very intelligent and and well-spoken and very heartfelt about yes. everything he is and um you know and stands for yeah i i got that too uh very yeah. well spoken very genuine and uh going back to power trip i think one of the things that resonates with me is they were able to capture not i mean they captured a certain sound but i think what's more important and appealing to me is they captured a spirit and and that's so hard to do and that's why I kind of liken the impact of that album, Nightmare Logic, to something like Kill 'Em All. I haven't been that excited since an album of that type came out in all these years. And, uh, you know, as you mentioned, they in a short time, they gained the respect of their peers. Uh, they even had a Grammy nomination, which is just crazy. And uh, they really did Texas metal proud. I'll tell you that. They, they're based out of Texas. Um so, yeah, un unfortunately, a band that kind of had to hit the brakes at the peak of their powers. But uh, as Riley or I'm sorry, as Blake says, you never say never. So um, I wanted to thank him for joining us today. And he also uh, was kind enough to indulge me and allow my son to uh, step in at the end of the podcast and ask a few questions of his own. So that was son... fucking awesome, by the way. Yeah. So here's the deal. If I'm, if, if you guys have somebody that you want to have on the podcast and I'm MIA for whatever reason on the road or whatever, just bring him in, just bring that him in. His deal. hair is way better than mine anyway. So <laughs> Yeah, he had, he had awesome. a great time. Uh, Blake is one of his heroes. Dash loves Power Trip. Uh, awesome. He wears his Power Trip shirt all the time. And anytime we go to a concert and he's wearing that shirt, which is almost every time we go to a concert, he gets four or five or six compliments and, is, and he's just beaming ear to ear. Uh, he's a big Power Trip fan, and this meant the world to him to be able to join us today and speak directly to Blake. So. Awesome. Well, Blake sent him a birthday wish, which uh, I, I know that I saw there's a video of Dash just like freaking out that, that when that happened that I guess uh, your yeah. wife made and, and, and posted whether yeah. Dash was aware of that or not. But you can just see raw emotion and, and true that that shit was true. Very exciting. And I and I love it that he that your son that's just good parenting. <laughs> it's just good parenting. Obviously, Dash is a super kid and, and I love the guy a lot. And um, you know, he's not gonna be a, a he's not a baby anymore. And he's yeah. he's a rock fan, he's a metal fan, and 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 uh you didn't push that on him, did you? No, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> Love you, Dash. It was awesome having you in here. Yeah, today. it was. Thanks, Dash. And uh, so, uh, Blake, yeah, he was kind enough to send a birthday greeting to my son uh, on Instagram. And I, I told Blake in setting up this episode, I said, would it be too much trouble for my son to join us? And I said, he's a huge fan. And and dude, if if this could have happened to me when I was 14 years old, it'd be like talking to Gene Simmons. And Blake totally sure. got it. <laughs> and he was sure, like, of course, dude, absolutely, man. So let's talk to Blake Ibanez. Yeah, here we go. What Jason, did I miss? We were just uh, bringing Blake up to speed here. And I, I asked him if he was familiar with you and your background in Watchtower. And he said, of course, you know, and yeah. um said that he played actually played on a bill with you in Austin uh, with when you were Igniter and uh, uh, Power Trip 
and it was it was not power trip it was uh the other band eternal champion eternal champion yeah okay. that's right yeah. that's yeah. right that's right yeah. uh yeah. i like eternal champion and that that whole movement that that kind of like viking metal i love all <laughs> of that shit yeah as well as madonna so it doesn't mm -hmm. you know i don't care uh stop right now how much do you want for the rose tattoo shirt <laughs> actually, well, actually, are you guys, are you in Austin? Yeah. 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 The guy that makes these shirts is in Austin. He's uh, I forget. It's called a uh, splattered records. Have you heard of splattered wow. records? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They do like, they do like heavy metal reissues and stuff. They've reissued some new wave of British heavy metal. So, 45s and so stuff. I can a, send you guys. Yeah. It's a bootleg. Yeah. 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 He's, okay. This guy just makes, uh, he makes bootlegs and then he also has a record label and stuff. So I think a friend sent me a link to it and I, bought one for me and one for my buddy <laughs> so, nice yeah so, well so how yeah. Long, in, anyone who flies the rose tattoo flag knows what's up it's like if motorhead yeah. went country or something it's really <laughs> awesome so how often yeah. are you in austin because uh jason i don't know if i shared this with you but uh my son dash follows blake on instagram and he noticed uh blake posted a photo of a thin lizzy poster uh, when featuring Gary Moore, it was when Gary Moore was in the band and dash brings his Black phone, to me. dash brings his phone to me and he goes, dad, I think Blake was at end of an ear, the, the record store here in Austin. And I said, how do you know? And he says, I saw that same thin Lizzie poster and it has that red wall behind it. That's the same one that's at end of an ear. <laughs> and I was like, well, it's possible. I'll ask him, you know, because we're going to do this podcast. So I sent Blake the email telling him about the podcast. And I said, by yeah. the way, were you at end of an year? And he's like, good eye, man. I was at end of an year. Mm -hmm. And so Dash was just like shocked that like one of his favorite guitar players was in his favorite record store. And they probably just barely missed each other because Dash is at that store once a week. Well, where are you, Blake, where are you? Uh, what planet are you calling from right now? Where, where are you? <laughs> I, I live in Fort Worth. Yeah, that's what. So, I, okay, so that's um, what I thought. I yeah. didn't want to just assume. So yeah, I, I uh, I'm kind of all over the place. I mean, I go to Dallas a lot. Got a lot of family over there, friends, yeah. and uh, go to Austin. I was going down to Austin a lot, um, doing some recording stuff for a little bit, and then I have some buddies down there. So actually, I was just down there for the day. Um, I always go to End of an Ear and break away and stuff when I'm yeah, when I'm in yeah. town, just looking for records and that's stuff. That's so. cool. Yeah, well, Dave. Yeah. You Dave, yeah. you can tell you can tell Dash that you know Blake just lives right up the road a couple hours. You guys just you know ding dong Blake surprise. <laughs> Get together for yeah. some tacos or something. Well, yeah. listen, Blake. Let's. Uh, wow. Why don't we just start from the beginning? Um, take us back to your childhood. When you started playing guitar, how old were you when you picked up the guitar? Who were your inspirations? Did you come from a musical family? How did you get started on this path? Um, well, I probably got my first guitar when I was nine, maybe something like that, eight or nine. And I think I got, um, my first electric guitar when I was 10. So I think I just, um, a kind of musical family I have some cousins that uh, were were songwriters and stuff. Um, my parents, you know, they're into music, but they're not uh, musicians or anything. Um, my dad's, you know, he kind of brought me up listening to a lot of stuff. You know, he's 60, he actually tomorrow turns 66. So, you know, the, Be the Beatles, yeah. 
Beatles and um, Hendrix and, uh, you know, Beach Boys, Birds and uh, stuff like that. So I kind of always, I think Jimi Hendrix is probably my, my first inspiration just because I think just, you know, of obvious reasons. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you want to play guitar, listen to this. So yeah, I was, that was probably my first big influence. Um, and then, yeah, I started playing, I got some lessons for a little while. Um, just learning. I mean, I, I used to know how to read music, but I totally lost that. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I took some lessons for a bit. Um, and then at some point, I think once I started to be able to hear the notes and make them out myself, I just kind of just started learning songs myself, you know, learning, learning chord progressions and, you know, chord movements, riffs and all that, just kind of deconstructing it. And then once you kind of learn the general idea, then you can start, you know, changing stuff around and trying to write your own stuff. So sounds familiar. Kinda, yeah. 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 That's the name of the game. You know, it's mm -hmm. nothing, nothing too crazy, but you just got to try your best with what you know. And yeah. So I pretty much just threw everything out at one point and just started learning everything myself and playing in bands and uh, playing covers, uh, stuff like that, you know? So yeah. that's, prob that's probably how it started. Uh, but yeah. So at what point did you, uh, were you bitten by the thrash metal bug? <laughs> well, I think I'm trying to think exactly when it was. I mean, I always liked Metallica and, and Slayer and stuff like that. But I think it was kind of when, you know, we were all in the hardcore scene. We were in hardcore and punk. And then at some point there were, there was, you know, some bands before us that were doing the crossover thing. And I think when we were able to see how punk and hardcore and metal came together, it was kind of like a gateway, like this is okay, you know, or this is, this is cool. Cause I think you get into that sometimes when you're in a scene, you just want to stay in that. So it was like hardcore and punk and that was all we wanted to listen to and do. But I think when we discovered the crossover thing, it sort of opened that door It was like, no metal is amazing too. And there's so much you can learn from both. And I think when we, when the crossover thing came up, that was when we all sort of just dove right into thrash and metal too so there was a band i'm sure you've heard of iron age who uh the singer of iron age is the singer of eternal champion so mm -hmm. we go back with those guys but they were they were they probably started i think three years before we did so they had kind of already been going and bringing that sound i guess you could say back because there really weren't a whole lot of crossover bands in the scene at that point and they sort of brought it back um, and did it really well. It was really inspiring. So once they, they were doing their thing, they were kind of like our older brothers. It's just like, we all were trying to discover records and they were, you know, I mean, I even point back to the, it's kind of funny for, you know, you guys are older than me, but thanks for, pointing. I, you remember, <laughs> remember well, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm sure, I'm appreciate, sure you remember the, appreciate sure you remember that. the, yeah, I'm sure you remember the, the days of MySpace. you know, like the early social media, well, the band's, you know, it was an interesting time to be our age because you were, that was kind of how you discovered new bands. And um, they would have like influence sections and, uh, you know, with Iron Age and, and other bands in Texas, they would, you know, sometimes put a whole list of records and it'll be like, you know, it would say Exodus, Bonded by Blood, and it might even say 1985 or whatever it came out. Mm -hmm. So it was just kind of fun because you would just, oh God, it was like, you know, I guess you could compare it to you guys looking through record booklets or, uh, 
you know, LPs back in the day, looking at the thank you lists and, Oh, who the, who's that, you know, and going and trying to find oh, yeah. a band. Yeah, and I, still I you know, do that. we didn't know yeah. we did that. We did that too. But this was so much more direct. It was like, this is the year. This is how you find it. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, we would go, we'd go find stuff and tell each other about obscure band. It was just, you know, it was all, all about that. So that was kind of how we dove into the, the thrash thing. I, I call that discovery. You know, yeah. you're, you're in this like warp, mind warp of like, oh, fuck. Oh, man, I got to give me some of that and some of that. And then mm-hmm. you're falling in love all over again with this thing that you that you want to do, that you have your it's your yeah. bullseye. And it's you want to. Yeah, I, I mm-hmm. think that that's that's awesome. However, you discover uh things that sort of fit what it is that you're doing already or looking to do that uh scar you and become an influence and and you end up wearing that on your sleeve i want to jump into i you know starting at the beginning is awesome but i want to like push for we can always come back sure um Mm -hmm. first off how old are you just so we get this I'm I'm, i'm 30. okay yeah you're a child so, <laughs> oh, no matter how old I get, how old I get, I'm always going to be a, yeah. I've always been, I've always been the young one, you know, like right. I, I was, uh, everybody in the band is probably, uh, about three to five years older than me. So All I was right. always, when we started, I was 16. So I was always yeah. the baby and, but you know, well, here's feel like the I'm getting deal. old. That's for here's, sure. Here's the deal. Some, somebody who's 30 years old and who's, yeah. uh, who's songwriting in my opinion, um, well, it's not. It's probably not just my opinion. I hear talking power trip. I hear yeah. all of the things about thrash that I look for when I, you know, I start going. Okay, this better be good before I put the needle in the groove or press yeah. play or however you take it. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned bonded by blood. Uh, I want to say seven churches possessed. Yeah. That was a big one too. Yeah. yeah, I hear it. I hear it all yeah. over, all over you guys' stuff. And I yeah. definitely hear, especially in Riley's approach, I hear mm-hmm. the hardcore. I hear, yeah. uh, and it could come, I won't mention hardcore bands, but it's it's coming from, from everywhere, from mm-hmm. maybe even like DRI, Kurt from DRI to, yeah, totally. you know, all the way to all the, all the, the heavy, the heavy metal, you know, the, the screamers, you know, mm-hmm. Anselmo, I'll just stop yeah. there, you know, anything in between there. And Anselmo's mm-hmm. into that too. But when you think about influence, um, and that's a different show, but you know, a lot of the singers who have some age on you guys, the, it was pre-hardcore, so there, you mm-hmm. know, extreme to us was when first time we heard "Hellbent for Leather," yeah, you know, by Priest. Exactly. And so when yeah. you when you look at it like that, and then you're looking for heavier and louder, yeah. and higher and guttural and more monster. I I, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of metal where you know list of your influences well you know all the monster voices on evil dead movie those are my vocal influences you know that kind of burp and slurp kind of thing you know there's a lot of metal that has that shit yeah but i think that where you guys are coming from from a writing standpoint it it's like and they're not even new anymore another one i would throw on the fire is uh havoc out of colorado Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that they're coming from a lot of the same places that you guys are too. Mm-hmm. And they sound Bay area. 
And I think there's a lot of Bay Area thrash going on with what you guys have gone, you know, obviously the possessed and yeah. exodus. Yeah. Is that is that about right? And when you form songs and riffs and you you start out with your 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 master riff, your your intro, your main right. you know, you want it to be the hook immediately. Yeah. Whether it be part of the chorus or not, when you write, mm-hmm. do you plan on coming for, you know, I'll just call it the mosh part where there's a time change in the middle and it's dragging a little bit for your bridge. Do you plan Mm -hmm. it that way? Or, you know, because it's coming from your influences, because that's kind of how that's the format of that. Yeah. Well, it's tough because I mean, obviously we come from the hardcore scene. There's always, I think a tendency for bands to stick the heavy part or the the break at the end of the song, you know, that's like a bad brains thing. They kind of, to me, invented that, right. The break at the end, which is great, but it, you know, I think at some point, depending on what you're doing, it becomes a little, a little predictable. If you, I mean, if you're just strictly a hardcore band, I think sure. that, that that works really well, but I think it's some, we have some songs like that, but I think it, at some point I decided, I just, you know, I wanted to try to write like a, a song song to where it was more, integrated into the into the song so, i mean you know and especially when you look at thrash i mean i kind of got i'm pretty much i'm into a lot of different music and i think especially writing the material i've written over the last few years i just kind of i think i overcomplicated it in my head a little bit i was always trying to how am i going to write this new way to write a thrash song and all this or not maybe not a new way but for us something new but at the end of the day you have to go back and just go look at the, the greatest bands you know like you can't beat the angel of death uh structure you know? just like you can't you can but and you can you can make something interesting or with those parameters but like don't overcomplicate it so for me i, I kind of like putting them in the middle of the song or you know not quite at the end something like that it's 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 good for the bridge because yeah when you're playing fast you want to break it up at some point with a tempo change i think and yeah, you know, it just sometimes you can get a little ahead of yourself trying to get too inventive with it. But um, yeah, I, I like to the bridge. I would say is kind of you can either put a different part there, or for for me, it was it was complicated because when I write by myself, I have to sort of I hit that wall when I get to that point, and I have to kind of and I, I I would prefer to be in a room with with a drummer and, and like oh. whatever whatever feet because a lot of our you know songs in the past. I might've had a, a skeleton or, or some of the main riffs, but then when we, me and Chris, our drummer jam it out, the bridge just happened, you know? Yeah. And I always was aware that we want our songs to have bridges, but it wasn't so much a conscious uh, thing that we, we were like, okay, we're at the bridge. We got to do this. It was just sort of, he, he did a fill and we kept playing and uh, there was a bridge. So, but this time around, I was getting way more analytical and methodical about how to write and all this stuff. And, definitely thinking more about bridges and listening to all, you know, rock bands that I like and trying to figure out what they did and probably getting a little, like I said, a little ahead of myself because it's just, it's, it's heavy metal, but you can apply a lot of stuff. So I, I was able to finally circle around and kind of bring it all together and just, um, so it, 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 it was not, it was a good learning experience for me. You know, it made it a little more difficult for a while, but I finally came back around like, okay, I think I can, take what I learned from all this other music that I like and boil it down and just, you know, not necessarily go by the book, but yeah. 
one of one of the signature elements of of the power trip sound in my mind is and this this kind of plays off of what you were just alluding to yeah. um is first of all the tightness of the guitars is just f- phenomenal man i mean it's just the the tightness of the band is phenomenal but the guitars the way you and nick work together and one of the things that stands out to me that makes you guys a little bit different is there's these weird little uh, transitions, like when you're chugging along double picking, mm-hmm. you know, at 100 miles an hour. And then there's this weird, like, flick of the wrist transition that happens. Every, it kind of catches you off guard, and you guys make it work so well. And I, I think that's one of these little signature elements that you have in your sound. If you're listening very closely and you're riding along, mm-hmm. you know, you're just cruising. And then there's some weird uh, triple pick thing or something before you go into the next part. I'm not a guitar player, so my vocabulary is yeah. not not up to speed here. You're but I think good, you know man. what I'm You're saying. Good. There, there's there's these little transitions that are real, like flick of the wrist, real quick, and they catch you off guard. But they add so much to the song, and because you guys are so tight, it works. You know. Yeah. Can you yeah. tell me about how you guys developed that? Is that is that a conscious? Yeah. Uh, is that a conscious way of playing to sort of separate yourselves or is it just something that you throw in just to keep yourself interested? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think so. I think a lot of those things generally happen. Um, it's just part of the riff. You know what I mean? I, I think that's a really important part. You always, it, that I think sometimes people overcomplicate myself included. The tail of the riff is, is actually a really important part of a riff. So like sometimes they'll be writing and I'll try to write, I'll write something that doesn't really have a, doesn't necessarily have a tail as, as Lars Ulrich puts it, you know, a, a tail of a riff, but that's so important because that leads you to the next part. Right. And yeah, it can be, it can, it can be sort of a hook in itself if it's, it, you know, and yeah, I think that I don't, I don't really think we think about it. It's just sort of something that happened. It's probably just part of the, the riff, but yeah, a lot of that stuff, um, as much as I like to write by myself sometimes and, and write riffs that way, but when you're in the room and, and me and Chris, I think we, feed off each other really well. You know, he has, he has a great musical background, his like instincts and all that. And we all sort of came to where we are in kind of different ways, but, but, uh, similar, um, just sort of, uh, being into punk and metal and hardcore and all this stuff. And, um, you know, so he, a lot of his instincts inform stuff like that too, you know, like if he's playing along with me and he maybe does a transition and I'm just playing along to what he's doing. So, um, I, I could, hear I, him. I, if, yeah. I hear him play yeah. your riff or yeah. Nick's riff. I I hear him play the guitar riff on the hats when you yeah. guys are when you guys are moving along and you've established your intro or you're getting to where, you know, the band is about to be in full roar. Yeah. I hear him, you know, you know, playing the riff with you on the hat. And I and and he and that happens in maybe not 100% of the time. But it's happening a lot, so mm. I feel like that's sort of part of, you know, part of the whole makeup of of your sound, is how you how he's working with you. He's playing the riff. I don't yeah. necessarily. I'm not dogging anybody out, but when the drummer is not playing the riff, mm-hmm. song is not as good as it could be when the drummer is right. like. What you're saying, you don't, you're you're basically telling me you don't know the riff, and you're just going, you know, you're just playing time. Yeah. But Dave Lombardo plays the riff. Charlie Benanti mm-hmm. plays the riff. Tom Hunting mm-hmm. plays the riff. Every every great thrash drummer, every great extreme drummer, you know, 
it plays the riff. Um, Gary Holt writes that way with, like you're saying, the tail. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I've heard Lars say that, but it doesn't. I think he surprised. said it. I want. He said it at some point. I, it might have been a Howard Stern thing, or so. Yeah. I just remember hearing him say that, um, and I was like, "That makes a lot of sense." You yeah, know? he's not and, wrong. He's not. He's wrong. not wrong. No. Yeah, yeah. One of the I, you know, we are we're talking about Lars here, just in passing. But um, I've said this probably a hundred times in the last year or so, and I'll say it again to a wider audience. I think, for me personally, Nightmare Logic is the most impactful album I've heard since Kill 'Em All. And I mean, what I mean by that is for my own personal taste, I haven't been excited about an album that captures that genre that well and that raw and that excitement the way that Nightmare Logic does. I don't remember being this excited about a record since Kill 'Em All. And I know there's been a lot of great thrash records that have come out since 1983 or whatever. Don't get me wrong. But I really like the fierceness of Nightmare Logic. I like that it's not full of double kick blast beats. I like the fact that it's raw. It's got that hardcore edge. And for me, I haven't been this excited about an album of that style since Kill 'Em All. Wow. And I'll stand by those words. It's a great record, man. You guys should really be proud of it. It's wow. It took my head clean off when I first heard it. That's fair. Wow. I'm just I'm just glad that there's fans like you, Dave, that <laughs> <laughs> say that like, yeah well you know i really appreciate you saying that um you know i, I don't i i like, like i said i mean I'm, I'm proud of what we've done i, I don't i know yeah, you, should, you should you know there's, be, well, there's a lot be, of great yeah there's a lot be of afraid great, to be proud of that because it's yeah, you know there's a lot of great music out there um there's been a lot of great bands i mean we're not i don't seem to think that we're the the best at anything or, or what is it but i think there is i could definitely see that there's something uh, that we tapped into that I think just is missing and I, and, and whether it's in metal or, or what, because, well uh, yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, there's been so many great bands and guitar players and drummers, and, and I'm not here to say that we're better than anybody. I just oh. think that when I hear you say stuff like that or other people, I've heard, you know, sort of similar things that you said. Um, and I think it's just like, and I, I talk, I've talked about this before, but it, it just seems like, especially in metal, uh, there's something about, I think the, and, and I'm not that old, but the spirit of original, the original scene that, that kind of got lost at some point, not with the, obviously not with the older guys eight that were there and that, you know, started the whole thing. But I think with younger people like us um, coming at it the way we did, it was like hardcore punk, you know, kind of in a way, like you look at Mustaine or, Jeff Hanneman or those guys. I mean, they were listening oh, yeah. to, they were listening to discharge and GBH and then they were even listening to motorhead and thin Lizzie and stuff. So that's what we listened to in the van. It was rock and roll and yeah, ZZ top and Van Halen and all that stuff. And that was what we wanted to do in terms of, like, we wanted to write something immediate and that actually had some type of uh, spirit to it, I think. And I, I think yeah. people get really wrapped up in metal and the mechanical and the, um, technical proficiency all that stuff which is great but it's like i i care way more about the feeling of it you know so yeah. i think especially when and a lot of it also comes down to who who's singing you know so like riley definitely had a uh like an attitude that i think really came across um you know he was really into writing and i think he took his writing really seriously 
and uh, he meant what he was saying. And so there's that too. I mean, I think if you, if you attack it from that way and I, and that's where the hardcore comes in, I think the vocalists generally have something more to say um, than a lot of metal singers do sometimes. It's just the kind of more, more about fantasy and stuff like that, which is, which is cool. And there's a place for it. A lot of people enjoy that, but I think with us, maybe we separated ourselves in the sense that we were coming more of like a, I don't know, like rock and roll type thing, hardcore thing where I guess you could say the rawness or the, the overall attitude, you know, and, and even the double bass thing. I mean, that wasn't necessarily a conscious decision. It was just, Chris was a punk drummer and yeah. um, he didn't play double bass. So it was like, who gives a shit? You know? <laughs> there's, you there's, well, there's plenty of, it. there's yeah. plenty of bands that do it and it's great. You know, I, I, I love how Dave Lombardo uses double bass and Igor Cavalera and stuff. Um, I'm not super into it when it's really integral into the drummer. Like every little movement is based on a double bass role. I don't yeah. really like that very much, but um yeah. I, long story short. I mean, I, I could see where you're coming from and I, I really appreciate that. That's the way I see it. I'm not saying, you know, we didn't reinvent anything or revolutionize anything, but I think there's a spirit that we maybe uh, harnessed that isn't very common these days. So right. that's I, probably I think, what resonates the most maybe. Yeah. I think you just yeah. nailed it. I think you are filling in a blank that's been left blank for about 30 years yeah. to at least on a large scale. You know, I'm sure there's probably bands and garages doing this all over the place, but you guys put out an album that reached people. And for my ears, I was like, Oh my God, I haven't heard anything this raw and this street and this just fierce and in your face and tight since, you know, kill them all. And, uh, you're right. I, I don't not to say that I think you reinvented the wheel, but I think you you brought something back to the forefront that had kind of been pushed in the background because metal is a genre. Like you said, they start adding layers. So kind of what Jason was saying earlier. OK, the vocalist gets more scary. The drum, the blast beats get faster and faster and more, 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 more. And then all of a sudden, the spirit that we're talking about, the power trip sort of harnessed is this kind of thing that was pushed into the background. And I think you guys brought it back to the forefront and that's why it sounds so fresh to my ears. And I love it. That style of music is great. And I haven't heard it done as well since kill them all. I'll yeah, stand the, the old, <laughs> the old school thrash doesn't have blast beat double kicks on, you know, right. every other section. It doesn't right. have it. And it's coming from, um, the crossover thing. Like you're saying, mm -hmm. it's coming from, uh, you know, even Motorhead didn't have every song with right. Double Kick and, and right. even Judas Priest. I mean, when you think about the classic, the early old guys, the the originators of what it is, the reason we're all here, uh, mm. it wasn't about how fast the drummer was, how fast. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Not every song that you guys do is a thrash song. Not everything goes. A lot of it is like a straight sort of moderately up tempo but it's not mm -hmm. you know button dun 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 da right yeah and i think that that adds to what we sort of round table here are are sort of talking about when we talk right. about mm -hmm. what it is you guys do um production wise um i think that uh i have some questions about you know was it a group decision was Andy Sneap involved in the decision to to not force or push 
the sound of uh, of the record to like a uh, over reverbed, you know. Okay, that's enough reverb. Yeah. You know, <laughs> were you were you going into? Uh, you know, it sounded to me as if I could have been a fly on the wall. That maybe I'm going to get it all wrong as a fly on the wall, but it seems that you guys fell in love with a, a thing. And you're writing this incredible, powerful metal music, just for lack of better terminology, keeping yeah. it simple. And the the tone of the record, the vibe of the record is very cohesive in the way all of at all the things that we've been building up to until this moment, uh, as far as the writing, but the sound of the record, the production on the record sounds like things that I fell in love with back in the day as i could mm -hmm. say and yeah. was that a conscious decision to make the record sound like something maybe they oh oh that reminds me of that and it makes them yeah. get into your fucking record even more is that yeah. something you guys were looking to do yeah i mean we, we we wanted to make stuff that sounds like our favorite records from the past yeah. i think we were we were trying to capture a vibe and a spirit um and, you know, we, I would say like, it was kind of, especially our first record, you know, we were young, we, we, we didn't know exactly what we wanted to do. Um, we, I think a lot of it was a reaction to the way things had been sounding, um, mm. in metal, you know, like, yeah. um, and I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, we did everything right, but it was like, it was a reaction to what we were hearing and what things were sounding like. And we're like, we're just going to totally flip this upside down and, and try to take it back. And um, I think over time we started refining it a little bit. And I, I think, you know, the next thing or whatever um, will be even a better version of that. And mm -hmm. we're, we're maturing as players and as, and, and, and just even uh, production wise, you know, I, as I get older, I'm definitely moving back into more of a classic recording, getting a little nerdy about that and, and, and all my favorite records. So, but to get back to that, yeah, we, we wanted to capture the essence of something that we love about those old records. And, you know, some people, I have older buddies that are probably around you guys age and some of them have a different opinion about that. You know, I love it's how like, this keeps coming up. Yeah. Well, it's like, well, I was going to say, it's like, it's like, I'm, I'm only nine years younger than your dad. So. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but, but it, and I think um, some people have different opinions about that sound and stuff. You know, I think some yeah. people look at it like, God, I wish all those records sounded better. And then other people are like, no, I love it. That's the whole, that's the sound, you know? Yeah. So like, like, I don't know what would happen if you, made if you know master of puppets or, or ride the lightning sounded different i don't like you can't it, you know there's part of you that's like it, maybe it wouldn't be the same i mean the songs are the, the songs but it's when you listen to that record the the feeling you get with the toms you know on ride the lightning and all that you, right. you can't you can't i don't think you can look at it through the you know the prism of is this a perfect record i think it's the the spirit they captured and that's that's what that's what matters i think when you're not making mainstream music even yeah, though metallica, people, metallica it didn't matter people, you know it i don't know if there's like a a forum of of metalheads just in there just you know chewing the fat about how <laughs> right. floppy those toms sound on uh on whiplash or or like yeah. you said ride the lightning you know those some of the toms sound a little wooby and floppy yeah. 
but know? it sounds but it, but it sounds real it sounds like they were it's young dudes it's, and they're 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 they're, they're playing the, the shit out of their instruments yes, and uh, they don't know every the ins and outs of recording and what's going to sound perfect and what's not. they probably didn't in the and clearly even in, in the early days they didn't have the money to no. hire hire the big time guys to come right. in there and, and tune right. the drums perfectly but they through doing that they captured this essence of of what it was so like the way those records sound like bonded by blood and and um and and don't get me wrong look there's classic records that sound incredible you know i mean rain and blood and yes um from incredible from a maybe a more technical standpoint obviously rust in peace you know but they were those were big budget records with the with big producers you know and and but there's is something about the essence of the 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 classic stuff that we all love you know and that we wouldn't we wouldn't change so rain and blood i heard i heard on rain and blood that they you know, uh, Jeff and Carrie, like, like, uh, what's his face producer guy, uh, Rick Rubin. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't yeah. let them put any pedals in between guitar and it was yeah. like cable straight. And I heard it was just like mm-hmm. stock nine hundreds or eight hundreds or something. hundreds. Yeah. 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 I mean, and it's, it's, it was just, wow. you, yeah. and you can hear, if you listen to that record mm-hmm. just today, tomorrow, you mm-hmm. can, and you're really fucking listening. You can hear every note and there's a couple mm-hmm. songs. There's some, couple flubby little notes yeah. but yeah. What I, that's what i love about it and yeah. i'm not looking right. for the mistake they made i'm not looking right. for that i'm listening to the fucking songs yeah but my point is how kind of dry the production is yeah but it set a fucking standard by mm-hmm. way of whether it was their idea or ruben's idea to go back and make a record that didn't have a bunch of like fluff on it yeah, I mean, I think uh, they definitely wanted to capture the live feel of them playing, and I think uh, I'm, I get more and more intrigued by the straight into the amp thing. Um, That's it's like hard ACDC. To, ACDC yeah, it, does that. No, so no thrills. Like, what the well, that fuck? was well, that was I believe you know from what I've heard is what Rick Rubin was kind of trying to capture was with Rain and Blood and with a lot Organic. of the productions he did. Let's just do back in black, you know? Because why, 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 why not? It's the greatest sounding rock yeah. record ever probably so mm-hmm. it's tough because it, it takes certain kinds of players um to be able to pull that off you know like yeah. even even uh with us you know i i pretty much just do one pedal into an 800 sure. but um it's it's a totally different thing because um how you play to the drums and how the drums are played it matters so much you know especially i feel like nowadays um it's tough because you have this standard that's been set by modern recording and by modern metal and, and everything that um, it's that, you know, compressed, um, totally quantized thing where everybody sounds perfect. But I think, but when you, you know, the amps are overdriven to hell and all that stuff, you lose a lot of that, the, the performance, I think like you lose a lot of the uh, X's and O's of the, the rhythm playing, you know, like, right when you listen to ACDC and Slayer and stuff and how they're landing on, on the snare and the kick. And yeah, I mean, sometimes it might not be perfect. Like maybe there's a, a flub or whatever you'd want to call it, but it does give it character. But it, yeah. I think in this day and age, it's harder and harder to kind of uh, set the boundaries for how, how loose you want to be because not everybody understands that, you know, like no. us three talking about it, like we love that part about, um, those records as how, how they're being played and everything. And that right. just cleaner guitars I, and everything. But nowadays it's, I think there's some people that would hear a band trying that now and go, these guys just aren't that tight or they're not yeah. as good. And 
um, it's because that's sort of been wiped away yeah. from from the the current landscape. So something it's tough. You, you know? Something you said a second ago, um, I wanted to comment on just 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 real quick because yeah. we're basically talking about you can talk about it like as songwriting, which we have kind of covered already, but not necessarily as much as a technique that some players have. Uh, you said yeah. like how you how you stop on the snare, like when there's a part that's coming that's coming towards you know uh, you're tagging something and you're mm -hmm. at the end of it. It's where you mute, like mm -hmm. you know you know yeah. for that that moment of like you know that yeah. that you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's where you're muting your guitars and your everything, a cymbal choke or whatever. As to where do I let the symbol ring out? Do you guys just like don't t entirely mute? Maybe one guitar mute. Yeah. Th that sounds like I'm creating yeah. this natural sloppiness. It's not yeah. sloppiness because right. everyone's tight as shit on the beat, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. if everyone goes through and does it like a choke, yeah. that adds this entire whole new like oh my god to the fucking mm -hmm. song. Yeah. Unless yeah. you're going coming down, you know, like a swan dive. Mm -hmm. you, the opposite of the swan dive would be do the cymbal choke and everyone mute on the on the last beat. That is like a thing that a lot of people don't r realize. And I'm not pointing anybody out whether there's right. something. God, what's wrong with you? How you know? Because it just depends on what it is that you're trying to do. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to bring bring up that obviously you guys are meticulous about things like that when you're writing a song. Mm. And I, I just I, want yeah. to point that out. It's obvious that you guys are doing that too. I think what we're all saying here in sort of a roundabout way is, is, is you know, for me, I, I think a lot of people connect emotion with the vocals. And I think mm. what we're trying to say here is what Power Trip was able to capture is emotion in the playing. And that's where some of the, the rawness comes through that. And maybe that's what it is that I like. It's sort of an intangible thing. You can't quite put your finger on it, but you know it when you hear it. And some of it's the, the music has personality and it has emotion. And some of it is just because it's you know, recorded the way it is and played with the enthusiasm that it is. And that comes across, man, you know, and yeah. I think people hear it. I wanted to clarify something just a minute ago. Jason mentioned Andy Sneap. It was Andy's not involved on any Iraq on your no, no, no. Yeah, you well, had. I, a, I assumed maybe that uh, that comment was directed towards his his maybe his production style. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. yeah. I mean, you know, he he's obviously one of the the greatest metal sure. uh, engineers or whatever. And, and his sound, I mean, that's the sound of, of a lot of modern metal, what he does, you yeah. know, he's, he's yeah. the, he's the best at it. And there's nothing wrong with, with that. I think right. it's just, um, he's the best at it. I think there's a lot of bands that don't get to record with him that probably emulate his style that maybe oh, yeah. don't do it quite as well. So yeah. maybe that's, uh, something that some people are turned off by, but, um, I would, you know, I would, I think Andy Sneap's awesome, you know, oh, I, yeah. Would, yeah. I, would, I would, I would, I would, probably love to work with him one day um because he seems like he can do different stuff but i think he he's really good at what he does but i get where you're coming from it's just a different it's a different sound it doesn't work for every band but there's a plenty of metal bands out there that he just is perfect for um yeah and he he does a really great job so 
for us, who knows, you know, I mean, it, it, it is like a, a weird balance of, of how, how you want it to sound in the end of the day and, and what you do. Cause that, that totally did, like, it does affect the the final product and the vibe and everything. So maybe, yeah. maybe it would work. Maybe it wouldn't, you know, who, who, who knows, but, um, I don't like yeah. the words modern and metal put together. I really, <laughs> yeah. really don't. <laughs> well, I guess when we're talking about all the stuff we were no, talking we, about earlier, the eighties no, and then, and then now, yeah, yeah. you know, there, there's, there's a stark yeah. difference. I think once you pass like 2000, you know, sure. or, or something like that, what digital recording and I everything. I was just trying to, yeah. I was just poking fun, but, yeah. but I'm yeah, serious. Yeah. I don't, I don't like the words modern and metal put together, but, <laughs> no. but yeah, you, you can't, there's no denying that that's where it kind of where, where we are. So right. power, yeah. power trip, uh, obviously, unfortunately was, was a short lived band, but man, the, the body of work you left behind, although it's small was, I mean, just so well done and so impactful. I keep going back to the word impactful uh, because it just generated a certain excitement, at least for me. And I'm not alone. You guys um, were very well received, uh, basically took off in a relatively short amount of time, uh, had the respect of your peers, played all the massive festivals. Um, So it's not just me saying that I love this record. There is an audience for it out there and they were very vocal and approving of it. I wanted to ask you uh, as, as a young guy that was sort of on this upward trajectory and doing so well with the band uh, and playing some tours with some of your heroes and, 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 and playing these festivals in front of massive audiences, what was the one moment where you sat there and caught yourself and went, Oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> um, well, there were uh, a lot of really cool moments. Uh, I would say we played download festival in UK a few summers ago to about it's gotta be 50,000 people or something. We played the main stage. Uh, that was really cool. Um, that was a really that whole summer we did a, a festival run. So it was, we had never done that in Europe where we uh, got to do all the festivals. So every day was a, you know, a new festival and you get to see cool bands um, catering and you're in a beautiful place in the summer. So that was a really great moment. I mean, there's been a lot of cool moments, um, you know, just finding out people that you, that are your heroes and that are, uh, you know, like your music or something. Like we, I remember, I think Rob Halford, in an article was talking about us. Um, you know, I've heard, I've heard Kirk Hammett, just people like that. Like, it's just, it's cool to hear that. Then you really feel like you, and then obviously the, the Grammy nom was, was cool. Just not really ever seeing that happening. And then, um, you know, that, that kind of makes it all your, uh, distant relatives turn their heads and stuff too. So it's kind of, that was validating in a different way, but, um, it's been a lot of cool moments, you know, I hope there's, there's more uh, yeah. down the road. Well, you, you know, um, obviously, uh, unfortunately, Riley passed away at, at the, at the peak of your momentum. If I, if I say so myself, I, I feel like Definitely. you were on this upward trajectory. Uh, again, when, when he passed the outpouring of love from the metal community uh, and especially some of the biggest names in metal uh, sort of, let you know it, it made people understand how big and important power trip was um so i don't i i hate to dredge up bad memories or but but where were you when you got the news and and how was how did the news spread through the band and and what were you guys left 
thinking uh, when you found out that Riley was gone? Um, I was actually sitting right here, this desk. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we actually found out probably an hour or two before everybody in the world did. So it was, uh, it was just really fast. Um, you know, five, four days later, I'm sitting in a pew, you know? Um, yeah, it was really tough. I, it's, it was kind of, you're in shock. And then, you know, for even for months, it was kind of like, what just happened? Because I think when you had the COVID thing, I mean, we hadn't even hadn't seen him in probably seven months or something just Mm -hmm. COVID and, um, you know, lockdown and just kind of living our own lives and stuff. I haven't seen him a long time. Um, it's been tough times. Yeah. I mean, I think when you lose your bro like that. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was like a, that was like a brother to me, you know I mean? You, 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 you spend, uh, I mean, we were, you know, we started in 2008, so we'd been a band for that point, like 12 years. So, you know, it's like, you know, these people, almost better than you know your own family because you spend so much time together um you know we were like brothers you know we we we're obviously close but we you know we worked together we battled sometimes we you know we were like any brothers you know you get in arguments but you at the end of the day you know you're doing it for each other and you care about each other and um yeah i mean it's even a year and change later i'm still just kind of like you know, staring at the ceiling sometimes just like what, you know, life is, it's just, it's not fair. Um, and you know, you you just know that this, you know, you look back and you can't change it and you got to just appreciate everything that you were able to do and um, appreciate what they meant to your life. And, um, you know, that'll never change, which, you know, that, that, that kind of makes it easier for me just being able to appreciate all that. And, um, you know, just, look at it for what it was. And, um, but you know, at, at some point you do have to, I think for me, I have to kind of, I know I don't say put it behind you, but you have to try to look forward and, and, and see what you can do. Um, with, given all that. And, um, you know, for me, that's the only way that I feel like I'm really going to get to an, a point with the, with everything and, and, uh, be able to swallow everything in, in a new way is, is to, you know, take another step musically or whatever. And, and, um, yeah, because right now I feel like I'm, I'm still sort of stewing in that. Um, just I haven't played a show since I think Valentine's day, two years ago was our last show in Bangkok, Thailand. So yeah, I mean, I just look at my amp and I play guitar and stuff and I've been writing and, and recording stuff, but yeah, it just, yeah, I don't think I'm really going to be able to turn that page maybe ever, but definitely not until I can, to be on a stage again and, and really kind of appreciate that in a different way. But yeah, yeah it's tough, be tough, tough doesn't begin to describe it, right. but um, you know, oh. this is, this is life and, and it's going to adversity is going to hit you at some point. You got to learn how to, how to handle it. Yeah. Thank you for that. And we're, yeah. we're sorry for your loss. It's yeah. so okay. massive. Um, some of the things that you just mentioned, that's going to be, also part of your grieving process and Mm -hmm. i I think that you know that i think that when you get back into a situation where you're playing or you're 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 full in full roar or a version of that that will start uh 
to be cathartic for you yeah. right up, yeah. right until you play your next show mm-hmm. yeah it, I, I i agree yeah i mean yeah. i think it would probably probably be like you know when metallica lost clifford you know i mean they same if they if they got that accident and then didn't play for two years you know i mean who knows what could happen you know their momentum or their um unable to get past that i think being able to get out there and play again and uh, write new music and kind of be able to honor uh cliff in that way and to grow his legacy and to um kind of continue the the story and, and not have a have a sad ending, you know, yeah. uh, the same with ACDC, you know, I mean, you think about situations like that and it's yeah. like, they really, the way to, um, change the, the way the story ends is to, is to push it forward and to kind of be able to celebrate that person. So when you think I would about like to be able to, I would love to be able to do that too, because I don't see, yeah. uh, at least for myself. And I think for a lot of people, I think there's, there's a closure that that's not there. Um, just the way that with COVID and everything and the way, like you said, we were at sort of a peak. Um, I think there was a lot of excitement about the next record and um, just what we were going to, you know, things that we were able to do. I mean, we, we were really able um, with our platform and kind of where we had gotten to uh, do some really amazing things, you know, like we were able to, you know, do charity things. We were able to put on a big festival in our hometown, couple of years in a row and just invite our friends bands. We were able to invite older bands, you know, like uh, we flew carcass in and, you know, we brought razor and violence down and we got to kind of bring together bands all over the spectrum in the, in our, in our subculture. And I think it was really cool. We were able to bring everybody together like that. And I feel like since, you know, we've been around, I haven't felt that that has been there in the same way, being able to, um, you know, at least for me, I, I feel a little on the outside looking in and, and like, you know, I feel like what we were able to do was really important, um, for our community of bands and, and for the scene. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there that would love for that to come back in, in some way. So, uh, yeah, I, I love your, I love, I love your perspective on that. The way you said you have the power to change the ending of the story. That's, that's pretty powerful. And yeah, uh, that's pretty heavy. Right I, there. I think, you know, you've got a lot of miles ahead of you and you will do that. So there's hope. There's a lot of people hoping and dare I say, praying if you're, if you pray, you know, keep on doing it. But yeah, there's a lot of people, uh, you know, waiting patiently because it's, uh, yeah yeah because yeah. they there's it's love that's yeah. what love is yeah so they're there for you i know so, I've, I've heard i've heard a lot of that from people when i run into people and and uh no i feel it too i mean I, I feel the same way i think a lot of people are just there's a loss that's that's even bigger than than the loss that we had it's kind of everything that you know we represented at the same time it's kind of like losing a not only a, a person you know an amazing person, but, uh, the band kind of too, in a way, you know, we've, we haven't, we never officially broke up or anything, um, call it a hiatus or whatever. Sure. Um, all of the great, and I can't things, really, yeah. Go all ahead. of the great things that you guys you, you call them accomplishments or whatever, but all of the places you got to travel, the things you got to do, um, you know, by just writing some rock and roll songs, just to put it blunt and in a, you know, thimble, Um, your music took you there. You, the things that you created, your, 
you know, this, this thing right here created that you yeah. Riley, your band, those things that you created something from nothing in a room, sweating your asses off, working really hard yeah. to create something from nothing. And that right there took you all over the globe and you made a lot of people happy and smile yeah. and, yeah. you know, no, I mean, yeah. They wanted more and more and more and more, but yeah. they're not, they're, they're there patient waiting for you. Yeah. So that's, I, I, that's kind of important. All of those great things, they could be fleeting moments because any yeah. it's precious and it, you don't know what's going to happen and you can't really expect yeah. everyone to understand what it is, where you're coming from. Yeah. But you guys were, were accepted and, uh, and now you have this time to grieve. And ACDC and Metallica, they didn't grieve. Whether it was management and band deciding together that they were going to continue fucking immediately. They yeah. didn't have time to grieve. I feel like it affected the music. It affected the the the, <clears throat> the playing field yeah. for them as far yeah. as their career goes. All these grandiose things happened for them, but them as mm -hmm. people had to be so many feelings that just didn't, that had band-aids on them. They were not healed. They were just fucking. So, you know, you, you take your time, the, dude. You, yeah. You, you use the word hiatus and, and I, and I don't, uh, I, I, I'm certainly not trying to be callous about this, but for the benefit of all your fans who are listening, I'm, I'm sure one of the obvious questions is, did you ever consider moving forward with a new singer? Is is that possible? Is that was that a discussion that's been had, or is it safe to say that for now, Power Trip is just going to stay, you know, kind of in the background, and you guys are going to move on with other projects? Oh no, we, we've had a lot of conversations about it. Um, definitely not moving on um, to other projects yet. Um, you know, we've all been living our lives, and COVID really just changed things a lot. I mean, um, for a lot of bands, you know, I mean, I, I have, you know, I know plenty of full-time bands just started playing a few months ago, you yeah. know, it, it definitely, I would say August seemed like when bands really started kind of gigging again. But, uh, so in that, you look at it that way in that context, it really hasn't been that long. Um, but it's just, there's this whole dark period where no one was doing anything. So, um, I try to put that in perspective. Um, yeah, I mean, we haven't really made any, any big decisions yet. Um, we're all, yeah, like you said, we got stopped dead in our tracks, uh, in the middle of our things were just firing and going really well. And, uh, me as a, you know, even just as a writer feeling like I was really starting to figure things out in a different way, getting a new level of confidence, really, really liking the new stuff I'm writing and stuff. So, um, it's just, yeah, we've, I guess on one hand, we, we have had a lot of time and to, to process and, and make the right decision. We're still moving to that point. Um, can't say for certain what's going to happen, but, uh, you know, we all love playing together, love the music we've mm -hmm. written, love, uh, love what we got to do. Um, uh, really been able to appreciate that in a new way, not just, you know, because of COVID and, and even just now, not, I mean, for me, I've been playing a band since I was, probably 12 years old. So, uh, you know, not playing a show for two years is crazy for me. You know, I feel like I've definitely 
there's a piece of me that's, that's missing. There's an emptiness for sure. And uh, yeah, I, I'm doing everything I can to, to get back out there. And, and I, and I also, uh, I know there's a lot of people out there that really, I think really want it to, um, you know, people that are, that are big fans of the band that, you know, I'm, I'm honored to be able to uh, be a person that can provide something of value like that to someone, you know, that's, that's a special thing. And I, I miss that. I um, feeling like I was connected to a, a community or just uh, even the fans, you know, being able to play shows and make people happy. And, you know, that's special. I haven't been able to do that. I feel like I've, I've lost a little piece of me with that too. So um, we're doing everything we can to do things the right way and to uh, do something that's going to make everybody really excited. And, and, and I think on my end, I can say that I'm, I'm really confident about that. Uh, but we need some more pieces. We need, we need some more pieces to fall into place. Um, but, uh, I'm feeling optimistic and, um, I definitely know when people hear the music that is sitting kind of dormant right now, they're going to be really, uh, really happy and they'll think it was worth the wait. So awesome. I love definitely, definitely be into that. I think I'm very, I'm confident about that. So, awesome awesome so yeah. never say never when it comes to power trip got, I definitely got, definitely don't say never no right. you got you got yeah. good spirit man and uh i like i like it i like what i'm hearing and you are appreciated yeah so Thank hey you. let's um let's lighten the mood a little bit yeah. dash dash was going to join us he's got a couple questions that he wants to ask blake so um okay. if you give me just a minute to Shout upstairs. He's already set up, ready to hit that link. And I know he's really looking forward to this. And uh, we'll kind of end on a light note with my son asking okay. a few questions of one of his heroes. So give wow. me just a second. Jerry can edit this out and we'll make it seamless. Hold <laughs> on just a second. Yeah, it's um, <clears throat> it's awesome to meet you, Blake. Um, yeah, yeah, you too, man. I, I, It's funny. I was telling him, I mean, we've been in the same place. I actually... That other band, Eternal Champion, we jammed with Rick. Hololuka. Uh, from, from your band, yeah. And, the and old Watchtower with, we, drummer, yeah. Yeah, we jammed with him at, in Austin years ago just for right. an afternoon. I, I don't yeah. even really know how it was set. I think it was our bass player that knew him. and But yeah. it was uh, it was cool to say that we did that because he's an amazing drummer. And obviously, I'm familiar with Watchtower. I, you know, I'm a fan and everything. So it was really cool. And I'm glad awesome. we're finally, finally meeting. Yeah. So, yeah here's our here's our here's our our special co-host this is my son dash uh dash Dash. blake you already know jason obviously yeah look at the look at the backdrop he's created for himself wow look at that awesome (laughs) wow (laughs) officially the the best hair has entered the room yeah well (laughs) look look at dad the the hair dude doesn't fall far from the tree yeah Yeah. his mom will appreciate that some of you guys products (laughs) (laughs) give me and blake some hair tips please yeah oh my god yeah i just Flat ironed it. That's it. Yeah. You go. You've put more time into it than me and Blake have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so, thanks for that. Uh, thanks for the, I just want to bring up uh, the birthday wish. That meant a lot. That was oh, pretty, no problem, pretty man. awesome. Well, I'm honored that anybody's a fan of anything that I do. I'm just a regular guy sitting here. And the fact that that meant something to you is really special. So. So yeah. I hope you had a good hope you had a good birthday and oh, yeah any any time man yeah yeah of course I'm sure I'm sure we'll cross paths at some point so yeah, yeah. hopefully that'd yeah. be awesome yeah man um 
I uh, I read in that birthday message too. Um, you said uh, you'd like to meet up at like a show sometime soon, and that made me wonder. You know, are you by any chance starting like any uh, side projects or releasing any new music um, that the metal fans would like to know of? <laughs> um, no side projects right now. You know, I I I, I want to do that. Is you know, for me, I'm, I have kind of a one track mind when it comes creatively. I feel like I have to sort of focus all my energy into one thing at a time. So, um, the, definitely I was telling them a, a few minutes ago, like there's, there's a lot of new music. It's just kind of not really sure what's, what it's gonna, um, what's going to happen with it, but it's right. awesome. And that's kind of what I've been working on the last three years maybe. And, uh, putting a lot of energy into and really, I'm really excited about that. That kind of keeps me going. It's just kind of seeing what's going to happen with, with that. So that's all I really got right now. Um, I'm not really doing anything else musically, unfortunately, but uh, I might have to at some point. Yeah. <laughs> I'm dying over here. But, yeah. Yeah. Great. I'm just, I'm a show goer now. I just go and uh, hang out and, um, you know, I'm a, just a civilian these days. So if I see it at a show, we'll probably just be seeing the same show, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I know that obviously you, uh, enjoy all the heavy metal mostly, and, uh, you write all these catchy, heavy, fun riffs to play. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also know that you really enjoy, uh, listening to the, uh, dreamy kind of pop stuff. Um, just like blur. And, <laughs> uh, that made me, uh, that made me wonder, you know, are you, uh, what, what would you say your favorite artist would be in that particular dreamy pop like genre? Um, well, I'm, I don't know if I'm like really just focused on that. I like bands that sound like that. Sometimes I think at the end of the day, I just like good songs that are in the pop spectrum. Sometimes, I mean, when I say pop, I don't necessarily mean like, uh, Taylor Swift, right. <laughs> but yeah. you know, like classic pop. So, I mean, right. I do like some of those bands like my buddy Valentine and stuff that kind of took psychedelic rock in a new direction. And it was still had the the harmonies and the melodies of stuff like the birds. And I love that stuff. Um, favorite band in the, in the, well, I guess if you're talking that you can't beat my buddy Valentine, they're the, they're the best to me right. with, the, with the dreamy thing. Um, but I love a lot of stuff in that rock and pop, power pop and all that. I just, I like everything that the, comes from the family tree, the 60s and 70s stuff. It's just, um, that's what I'm really into. I like the, I like hooks. I like melodies and harmony and all that. Anything coming from the Beatles. Definitely. So spanning over many decades. Yeah. Right. Is um, And that brings me to another point, like, uh, since you like that kind of stuff, is there any other genre of music that uh, would surprise, uh, like, any fans of yours, like, such as, like, country or reggae, stuff like that? <laughs> um, I don't know if there'd be any big surprises, honestly. I, I do feel like I'm getting to the point where I need to make a foray into a new, uh, a new genre and, and, you know, because I've, I've started buying, I have all the, a lot of the records that I want that aren't hundreds of dollars. So, uh, I, I kind of need to get my eyes opened up to something new. Uh, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm really just a guitar guy. So I like rock and pop and metal and all that stuff. Um, I think maybe, maybe I'll probably end up in soul at some point. Cause I feel like a lot of the bands I like were probably co-opting soul melodies and all that. So I feel like maybe that's on the horizon. Um, not a big country guy. I like, 
I like some of the more country rock stuff, maybe. So I like twang, but not super into into country as, as we know it these days. Um, and not really, you know, I wish I connected with some stuff that was more popular that a lot of people I know are into, but I just don't. So I don't know when that'll happen, but maybe never. You're in the right place. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, is there, is, is, by any chance, is there like any um, other hobbies that you like doing besides uh, creating new music? Um, I'm a, let's see. I, mean, I love sports. You know, I watch a lot of football. I watch basketball. Um, got a lot of buddies that love watching sports. So we watch a lot of sports. Um, I exercise a lot. I like to ride my bike and go to the gym and run and stuff like that. Stay active. Um, what else do I like? Yeah, buying records. I mentioned that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, going to record stores, uh, you know, food, coffee. I don't have a whole lot of other hobbies, but, um, I'm, I, I need to get some new ones cause I'm, yeah, just have right. a lot of time to, to spend doing stuff. So, but yeah, those are the big ones probably just, you know, staying active and I, I do like sports and anything that I can enjoy with, with buddies. Yeah, I definitely, for definitely for sure. Enjoy the whole you know, vinyl collecting thing. There you go. I'm looking for that, uh, the live album. I haven't been able to. Oh yeah. Well, that one would be great to find. Well, we don't, I think the live one, we just put it out online. So I don't mm. think it's, we didn't put anything out on uh physical yet for that, but we're, we're, right. we're trying to, but we're just stuff's just, it's, it's complicated. Yeah. We're trying to figure that all out right now. That'll come out on vinyl. Eventually. I, I think a lot of people want that to be a, on a physical format. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, and this this last question, it's, it's kind of just for fun, because um, mm -hmm. the other day I saw a, a video. It was, uh, I, I believe this was 2015. Yeah, 2015. And it was Power Trip in uh, Paris. And apparently, from what I read, uh, Riley didn't make his flight, and you had to take over vocals, yeah. which it was amazing, by the way. <laughs> And um, so just what was going through your mind like five minutes before you had to walk out and just start screaming out the top of your lungs in front of all of these people? What was going through my mind? I mean, I guess that we just had to do it, you know? It was funny because that that show, the first show of the tour was our, probably our biggest show of that run. I mean, that was kind of the tail end of our first record. And um, yeah, we just, you know, there were so many people that were there and I don't think we knew what was going to happen. We didn't know he was going to make his flight until it was definitely close enough. So it was like, we can't cancel the show, you know? Um, I think we did like four or five songs and I was able to, to pull it off. I didn't really think about it. Maybe that's the beauty of, of being younger is you just <laughs> got to do it, you know? Um, well, you know, Chris, our drummer, he's, he's a pretty great singer and he, uh, he maybe could have done it, but he was playing drums. So it's like, that's probably a little more difficult to try to pull off. Uh, so I was just like, I'll do it. You know, someone's got to try to do it. Uh, I guess maybe I probably felt the most comfortable, not really looking at what I'm playing and thinking about it. It's sort of, but I don't know. I just, I guess I just raised my hand first. Like, yeah, I'll try to do it. Right. Nick, Nick wow, probably could have done it too, but yeah, I guess I just was thinking he has to stop more when he's playing. So maybe it would make more sense for me just to do it. Cause I'm, I'd sort of just continue playing the whole time. So I just had to do it. Uh, and I guess there's a video of it. I don't really know if it was good or not, but, 
it was good enough for it was good enough to play the show and to and for a lot of people that were there to enjoy it and i would have i would have been let down to have to cancel on all those people that were there and um you know and even at that point you know not playing a show is you're, you're losing money and it's it's like if you can pull it off and make it happen that's that's what's most important so i'm glad i'm glad we were able to do it and it wasn't a total mess I think it, we we did all right. <laughs> so, yeah, hopefully, don't have to ever do that again. But if, right. I guess it's a sign of a tight sign of a tight band. You know, it's sign of a family when someone else can step up and just oh no problem, we've got this. Um, yeah, it wasn't like I mean, I, it was then uh, did Newstead fill in on vocals one time for Metallica or something? Oh. I thought I, yeah. I thought I remember hearing about that like one show or some songs. He just he took over. There's yeah, been, I mean, shows where, have, been shows where my bass, my bass player fell down. We continue, I just picked up the bass and finished the show. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> you the go. promoters, that was in Japan. The promoters were like, what the hell just happened? You know, how yeah. does that, how does that, Jason just knows those songs? Well, no, but he's heard them so many times that he can yeah. get through it. You know, it's a <laughs> yeah, sign of show, a family. The, it's amazing. Show must go on, you know. Yes. I mean, uh, if it was if it was multiple days, and if it was, you know, well, and obviously, even at the stage we're at now, with more songs and different expectation, I don't know if we could pull up. Where were you on the bill it, it, on that? It, it, no, it was a headlining show. It was, oh, uh, okay. it was the first show of our European tour, and I think yeah, it was 2015 wow. or something. And we were uh, we were we flew into Paris, and he missed his flight and. He was able to get on another one not long after, but he was going to get in until I think the next day or something. And I, I want to say when we found out, it was kind of close. Well, I think we found out when we landed, maybe, because I think you know, a lot of times when we go to the airport, we all just show up at the airport at different times and hop on the plane. We don't always go together. And so we were leaving from, or from Dallas. So I think we didn't really know that he wasn't on the plane until we landed. And then we landed, I want to say, that day. So the show was already happening. You know, it was, we were just like, we got to do this. I mean, I guess if no one was, had volunteered, maybe we would have canceled, but I was like, no, we're going to, we're going to try to make this happen. Not, not start this tour out on a, on a bad note. And it was such a big show too. It was like, we'd have lost, you know, a lot of money, not selling merch and not playing. And yeah, it was, just, it also was Paris. It was a big show. We wanted to, wanted to do something. So it worked out. It was, it, yeah. we, uh, we made it happen. And the promoters were cool with that. Yeah, they were like, "Hey, I mean, it's either that or we have to cancel. Everybody goes home." Well, that would have caused riots. You don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would. You know, we didn't want to have to do that. I mean, I guess if they were like, "Nope, that's not going to work," then it wouldn't have worked. But they, we we still were able to play at most of. Well, I would say probably three quarters of the set or something like that. So we were we still able to do something. You know, and people came to our show just wanted to mosh and, you know, so it was, it was cool. We hadn't been to Europe, I think, in at that point in a couple two or three years, so. We're excited. Yeah. I wanted to tell people listening, if you haven't seen the, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Blake, the, the show, I think it's called house of Strombo, mm -hmm. uh, where, where power trip plays at, at Strombo's house. <laughs> and if you haven't yeah. seen it on YouTube, look it up. It's amazing. It's like, it reminds me of like an old school kegger where people just show up at a house and they all cram into the living room and a band is set up and they play and it's power trip. And Riley's intro was priceless. He said, 
Thank you all for being here. All I know is I'm glad that for the next 15 minutes, this isn't my house. <laughs> and the place goes bonkers. And there's like a mosh pit in the kitchen. And it, it was it was really, really cool. Um, and it's only like 15 minutes long or something like that. So uh, anyone listening out here that hasn't seen that, check it out. House of Strombo with Power Trip playing in a house. It was really cool. Yeah, that was fun. That was uh, that was a good time. It was definitely interesting because you set up in a living room and um it sounded all right i mean it wasn't it wasn't actually too hard to hear anything and the the environment's weird because you kind of have people standing and it is like you're at like a house party and we i mean we played house shows in the early days we did definitely did some house shows so it was sort of like going back to that um but it was cool and just kind of a fun thing to do and george is really really cool always been the vocal supporter of the band and he's i mean even in that house i mean the some of the other people that have played there i mean it was like i think a couple of weeks before we were there it was like uh who was there elvis costello or neil young or oh, someone yeah. just like what you know or jerry cantrell people are just like they were here so always always cool moments like that when you're like oh we're in the same place that this guy was sitting a couple yeah. weeks ago or um that's 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 one thing i loved about you know touring all the time and playing and doing festivals and because you just you'd cross paths with with you know your heroes and artists you love you know for me i would i, I loved crossing paths at, at festivals with bands that didn't sound like us that i'm really into rock bands and uh just people that you wouldn't necessarily run into unless you're in that situation so yeah. that's what's cool about some of those things you can do is is getting to uh can you tell us maybe place. about one of those where you're you kind of fanboyed out on someone maybe Oh man. Yeah. There's definitely been some moments like that. I, I try to, I try to, I know the yeah. situations. Well, I'm like literally hopping yeah. up and down and speechless sometimes. So. I know I'm, I'm trying to think there's definitely a few and I'm trying to remember what the best ones were because it's been a while. Um, I'm looking around at my record collection, trying to think there's been, there's been a handful. Uh, I definitely, we played a fest with, with cheap trick a few years ago and I was, hanging out backstage kind of near Rick Nielsen and Robin Zander. And I, I don't know if I, I don't think I really talked to him. I think I tried to, and it sort of didn't work. And I was like embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. I just got to, I just gave up that's, and like walked away. That's but I was like, I was in there midst, you know, so that was cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of anybody else. There's been some, some good ones. I mean, we've, we've kind of run into people. Uh, I'm trying to think of the craziest ones. There's definitely been some times. I mean, I try, I try not to be too much of a, a punisher as they say you know what a punisher is is when <laughs> you know you kind of get into a situation with someone that you want a fanboy on and you sort of biff it and it's embarrassing and awkward and, <laughs> because it is an awkward thing for any for, for the for them and for you because that's you know they're like they don't know what to say you don't know what to say because <laughs> you think of, i mean you think about like if you met your favorite actor what would you talk about you know it's like hey I, you're really good I love your movies. And then it kind of ends there, you know, but <laughs> yeah. sometimes you, you got to pick your spots. Um, but you know, most of the time people are cool. Uh, most of the time, if you keep it brief and you just say, you know, then they're cool. I don't know about now because of COVID and everything, maybe people are weird. Hey, get, don't come near me. Right, right. <laughs> Put your mask. But, yeah. um, you know, I, yeah, there's, there's, there's been a handful. I can't, you know, I'm, I'm kind of drawing a blank on them, but no, uh, you, you had a yeah, cheap trick uh, one. That's, that's yeah, good. Yeah. That's, that's, that's one of the more recent ones I can remember is probably the cheap trick one. Um, yeah, that's a good it's, one. 
That's a good one. Yeah. Well, Blake, I wanted to thank you for uh, for being with us today and, and allowing my son to to join us. Uh, this of is course. a first. He's never been on the podcast, uh, but you're one of his heroes. And I thought if you were cool enough to make this happen, uh, we'd appreciate it. And I know that uh, that Dash appreciates it. We appreciate it. Uh, I especially appreciate your your honesty and your candor on some of the more difficult subjects we hit on today. And uh, I want to thank you for a great catalog of music. Oh, my God. Uh, Nightmare Logic, if you anyone listening out there that hasn't heard it, you owe yourself a favor. Go find that record. And uh, Manifest Decimation is great, too. So uh, anything with Power Trip logo is worth your time. Um, so I wanted to thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure to have you. Uh, we appreciate you spending time with us. On behalf of my co-host, Jason McMaster, I'm Metal Dave, along with our special guest co-host, Dash Glessner, and our featured guest, Blake Ibanez from Power Trip. Thank you all for listening yeah. to another episode. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. And thank you, Dash. Thanks, everybody. It's an honor to be asked to be on any podcast. And I'm honored that you guys wanted to even talk about all this stuff that I've done and the band and everything. So thank you guys. And thanks, Dash. Appreciate you guys having me.